Praise God. Lord, we just love you. We give you glory in here, in here today, Lord God. And just as we have been worshiping together and lifting up the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you. We look to you today, Lord God. And I just thank you for each person in this room. Lord, that we hear from you today, Lord. I thank you for lives being changed and lives being transformed, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for this mighty church, Lord God. This church is a powerhouse. And I thank you for the effectiveness in this church, in this whole region, Lord God. Lord, I just thank you. Just praise you, Lord God, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, praise God. You know what? I've been sharing from, from the start of this year, really, anywhere I've been ministering. You know, God dropped something in my heart at the end of, of um, December last year. And that was coming into this year to start looking afresh at who we are in Christ Jesus. And I tell you, believers need to know who they are. You know, we live in a world today where people are confused, you know, with who they are. And there's a lot of confusion um, in the world. And, and you know what? When, when you don't have God in your life, you have no compass. But when you have God, you do have a compass for your life. And um, you know what, we don't need to be people that are, you know, hateful towards people, but we still need to be salt and light. We need to be people that are full of truth, but also full of the grace of God towards people. But you know what, in our generation, there are a lot of people who don't know who they are. But you know what, and it's one thing for us even as Christians to criticize people, and I believe we need to stand for truth in our generation. But you know what, in the church world, many Christians don't know who they are. Many Christians don't know their true identity. And as a result of that, it affects how they talk, it affects how they think, it affects their vision, it affects how they act. Because if you don't know who you are, you're not going to live out of your identity. You know, the reality of it is, is we all live out of identity in life. Whoever you think you are, that's what you're going to expect and that's what you're going to live out of. So we all need to know our identity. And I believe there is a real identity crisis in the body of Christ. You know, we need to know exactly who we are. Amen. Um, you know, I'd like to look through some things. Like, you know what? Sometimes people, they take their identity from their problems. Okay? So if you take your identity from your problems... You know what? You start talking your problems. You know what? There's times I meet people, and as soon as I meet them, within, within 10 seconds, they're telling me their problems. And I'm not saying that, you know what, people don't have problems, but when you take your identity from your problems, that's all you think about. There are people, you only meet them, and they tell you, you know what? I'm an ex-alcoholic. You know what? I'm an ex-alcoholic, but I got saved. I'm thinking you need to drop the alcoholic and just say, I'm saved. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. You may have had problems. You may even still have mental problems. But as long as you think like that, it's going to control your life and you're going to be a victim to it. You know what? As believers, we're not victims. We're victors. We're overcomers. Amen. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we have to think different. You know what? There's people, who, you know what, maybe have, um, you know, had bankruptcy. And you know what? They have, that's a tag that's on their life. Or maybe there's some people say, I'm a world champion worrier. You know what? I've always been a worrier and I'm always going to be a worrier. Well, you will be as long as you talk like that. But that is not who you are. You know what? We need to pull all of the tags off of our lives. Any tag that's on your life that is not in accordance with your identity in Christ Jesus needs to be ripped off. 
You know, I, I don't understand sometimes even believers. Well, I understand because it's a lack of knowledge. But you know what? Many believers, they hashtag. You know, you know any young people, you like their hashtags? I'm young. Yeah. 48 years, young. Amen. There's no old. My kids keep telling me, Dad, you're getting old. I'm not. I'm 48 years young. Amen. He renews my youth. Praise the Lord. But you know what? You know what? The young people, they like hashtag and everything. You know, it's amazing. I, I've seen Christians, you know, put things like, you know, my, this like my, my arthritis life. Why identify yourself? You may be facing it. Don't be, don't be cuddling it. Fight it. My cancer life. What? I don't get that. Look, I had cancer. I know how serious that is. If I'd have hashtagged my cancer life, I'd have been six feet under today. I had to get a revelation of who it was in Christ Jesus and fight it. And I know what it's like to fight serious things. They're in your mind morning, noon, and night telling you you're going to die. You're going to die. Pick out your grave clothes and so you see yourself in a box. That's the kind of images the devil tries to put in your, your mind, but you have to see yourself in Christ. You have to see yourself alive. I have pictures that I have put in my mind. One of them is me walking my daughter down the aisle. My daughter was only this size whenever all of that came, but I put a picture in my mind of me walking her down the aisle. Amen? I've an upgrade in that now. My daughter's only 13 years of age. My son's 16. But now I see myself with my grandkids on my knee. Why? Because I'm, I'm not planning to exit out of here anytime soon. I'm not hashtagging no sickness to my life. I'm hashtagging by his stripes I'm healed. Amen. You ha what, are you, what identity do you put to your life? You know what, if you listen, you know, if you're a parent in here and you have young kids, let me tell you, this generation will put a bunch of labels on your kids that my generation didn't have. Everything, you, <coughs> that's a label. You, you look strange for one, maybe it was the lights. That's a label. I had it with my kids. There was one time they were trying to put labels on, on, on um, Tyler whenever he was young. And even, um, you know, when he went to school, they tried to put a, a, a label on him when he went to school. Christian school. What? Um, they tried to put a label on him. But I tell you, we didn't put no label on him. And I tell you, not a bother with him. He's taller than me now. I have to give him a good kicking every now and then just to let him know who's boss. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> but he squares up to me all the time. And now he's weightlifting and everything. And I tell you, he squares up to me. And sometimes I just have to put him on the ground and let him know who's boss. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but you know what? People put uh, um, labels on their lives and it's to do with their problems many times. Then some people identify themselves in their race, their religion or their nationality. So you know what? You have you know, uh, the, the black-white issue. You know what, I love coming to church in Ireland because, you know what, we're all together. Church is the answer. Do you know what, um, I was in a church for a long, long time, 
up in Dundalk. And we had even back, back then, like in the 90s, we had people from I don't know how many different nationalities. You know, and then, and then thank God for all the Nigerian people that came into the church. And you know what, added, added a, another mix to the church. But we had a bunch of, of nationalities. And then in our church, we had north and south because we were right on the border. We had people that sat side by side who used to fight with each other. And hate each other. B.C. Before Christ. Amen. Sitting side by side. And I can remember the politicians um, saying of the church. That that church. It's the answer. They're doing what we can't do. Don't let anything divide the church. Look in heaven there's going to be every nationality. I used to say, God's colorblind. Ah, I stopped saying that a long time ago. God's not colorblind. God loves color. Do you know every one of us came from Adam? And in Adam, God put the ability for every color. We all came from Adam and we're all of the one blood. So uh, you know what? Skin's that thick. Don't let that divide you. Don't get caught up in world politics and all of those kind of things. We're the body of Christ. We're meant to love one another. The fact that we can love one another is a testimony of the love of God to our generation. And that's, that's the way we're meant to be as believers. You know what? I, I, look, I'm white. I don't hate myself for being white. I can't help being white. That's the way I popped out. Whatever way you came out, that's what you are. I didn't get a color chart before I was born. Whatever it was, that's what it was. You know what, and for all of us, what gives any one of us the right to hate someone else when we didn't even choose our own color? Amen? If we'd see ourselves in Christ, we'd lose all that. That wouldn't be our core identity. Look, there's nothing wrong with national pride to a degree, but when we hate one another, it's gone too, too far. You know what, I even love Liverpool supporters. That is the love of God. That's the love of God in action. Amen. Do you think I'd have picked this color? We spend good money to go to the sun. I like it darkened up a bit. I'll be going on holidays in a few months' time. I'll tell you what, I, I, I won't be avoiding the sun. I'll be soaking it up. <laughs> but you know what? People get into all of these things. You know what? In this island, it was Protestant Catholic. It was, you know, north, south, and all of those kind of things. But you know what? In, in God, you know what? We need to love one another. You know what? I have family all around the world because they're in the body of Christ. Praise God. Some people identify themselves with their position in life. You know what? As a parent, I want my kids to do well. And I believe God wants us to do well in life. But we all do well in different fields. There are some people who are good with their head. There are some people who are just, you know, really, really good with their head. You know what? Just You see it from a, a child. They're great with the sciences. They're great with all those things. They may go on to be a doctor or work in some, kind of, uh, in, in some of the sciences and stuff like that. And you know what? That's not the way God gifted me. Praise the Lord. I was gifted more with my hands. 
But you know what? I, I, I know what it is. A lot of my friends seem to be geniuses. What do you do? Oh, I'm a scientist. All oh, right, that's an awesome scientist. <laughs> that's the way it is now, all of the young people. But you know what? what it, you know, sometimes people separate themselves based on their job or where they live and all of those kind of things. But you know what? That's not who you really are. That has nothing got to do with it. That's just the blessings of God in your life. Amen? I, I read this here thing years ago, and I, and I kept a hold of it. And it just said, who am I? Am I what I do? Do you know what? If you are what you do, you always have to do more to have significance. Am I what I achieve? You always have to achieve more to have significance. What if somebody else gets better at it than you? Then your heart's gone. Am I the things that I have done right or wrong? Do you know what? If you, are, if you base your life on your goodness, what happens when you mess up? And then there's other people, they base their life on all of their wrong past that they, ha- they had. So they still live out of their past that they had because they didn't seem to do much right. But if you base your life on your actions, you're in trouble as a believer. Am I what other people think of me? You know, there's, other, there's people who look for other people's approval. They always need someone to tell them that they're good and that they're great. And if you base your life on other people, let me tell you, if you lean on people, someone will let you down. You can't base your life on people. You can't base your life on people's approval of you. Am I defined by my family? Well, we all know every family has a few nuts. Amen. Every family tree has a few nuts. Maybe you're the nut. God loves nuts. Amen. But every family tree has a few headers. You know, I I often think about, you know, like even the likes of Hitler. You know what? Somebody was connected to him. Somebody was connected to that family. What was it like? (laughs) It would have been terrible. Do you know what? Some families have horrible reputations. You may have came from a family that had a horrible reputation. Amen. I know by a married didn't it? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Money joking, praise the Lord. Um, am I defined by my past? Again, same thing if you had a horrible past. You know what? That can hinder you. Let me tell you, You're not even who you think you are. You're not who people think you are. You're not defined by people's opinions. You're defined by who God says you are. And as a believer, it takes guts to believe that you are who God says you are. Amen. Now, when you look at family tree kind of a thing, you know what? No matter who we are, no matter what your family was like, if you go back through the generations, at some point, we all end up in the Garden of Eden. And the reality of it is, is when you came into this world, you were born in Adam, the Bible says. So your identity, before you got saved, or if you're not saved today, your identity is not your titles, your identity is not the money you have, the position you have, what you've achieved or not achieved, what you've done right or done wrong or any of those things. Your identity is in Adam. 
Before we got saved, all of us, our identity was in Adam. And when God looked at this planet, he, when it came to identity, yes, God sees us all, all the nationalities and all of those things. But when it came to identity, God seen people either in Adam or he seen people in Christ. That's the only people, the way God sees people. God doesn't see all of the other stuff. And when you think like that, it cuts out everything else. So you get a love for people. When you're saved, you get a love for people who are in Adam. Yes, you can see the difficulties, the problems in people's lives. Yes, you can see the messes in people's lives. You can see that they have, you know, bad ideologies and all of these kind of things. But when it comes down to it, they're in Adam. And unless somebody brings them the gospel, they're going to stay in Adam. And so people then become very precious to you with all of their problems, with all of their messes. Let me tell you, there is no perfect people in this planet. And people need Jesus. But when you get saved, you don't have a long lineage. So I matter, like if you, like you like and look back through my family tree, and you know what, you don't have to look too far, and you can see problems, okay? In the natural, and if you go right back, you get right to Adam. But when you get saved, you just have to look to Christ. That's your lineage. There's nothing in between. Let me tell you, God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. When you get saved, you are directly connected to God. There's no big gap in between. You're either in Christ or you're in Adam. When you're in Christ, there's a whole nature change that takes place and you get a whole new identity. Do you know when I got saved, this is one of the first things that I got a hold of. And it changed my life. Because I had a lot of problems. But I found out my identity never changes. And when you know your identity, let me tell you, you can live out of it. And even if you do fail or you sin, it doesn't change who you are. You're still in Christ. And living out of your identity starts changing you out here. Now, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. Amen? Let me just, just for time, let me look over here to Romans chapter 5. If you have a Bible with you, Romans chapter 5. Praise God. Now, the book of Romans is a wonderful book. You know, it starts off in chapter 1 and it shows like this. This downward spiral to where when you get away from God, when people stop thanking God and, you know, stop putting God in His place, what happens is culture and a generation gets further and further and further and further away from God. And the Bible says that they suppress the truth. And the word suppress, it means to hold it down. And you know what? They, they take what God says is true and they push it down. But what happens is when you take the truth and put it down is man's corruption starts going spiraling down in his actions and gets right down to a baser level. And it just shows you in chapter 1 how low people can go, how corrupt people can get. Then in chapter um, 2 and 3, it starts talking about the Jew and the Gentile. And it lets us know that every one of us failed. Every one of us were sinners. It didn't matter whether you were a Jew or whether you were a Gentile. 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the, the, the Jews had the law. Let me tell you, the Gentiles had their conscience. But you know what? None of us could keep God's standard. And so we all messed up. We're all sinners. And what's really what it's getting down to? It was showing that man was a sinner in need of a Savior. And it lets us know that when man was without strength, that's when Christ came and died for us. So it's shown that no one was righteous, no, not one. You know what? And in ourselves, we could never make it to God, no matter how good you were. It would be like if I give everybody in here, like, you know them we sticky things, and if you, like them we colorful things, and everyone wrote their name on it. And we went down outside there, and we said, we're going to run and see who can touch the top of the building. And you know what? We went one by one by one, and some of us got higher than others. But here's the reality of it. None of us are going to touch the top of that building. And what that was showing was all failed and came short of the glory of God. No matter how high you jumped, you couldn't jump high enough. No matter how good you were, you weren't good enough because it was exposing the flaw. The flaw was we all came from Adam. And when you came from Adam, you were a sinner. And you have to get out of it, but we couldn't get out of it. We, don't know, we didn't even know how to get out of Adam. We were so lost that we couldn't save ourselves. When we were without strength, it took Jesus to come and die for us. We didn't even have the strength. We were that lost. We didn't even really know what the problem was. Amen. But thank God Jesus came. And you see the hopelessness at the beginning of the book of Romans. And it shows just how hopeless man is without God. But I love the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's like the sun piercing through the clouds. And letting people know that there is a way to the Father and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Only in Jesus is there salvation. But when you come into chapter 5, it starts showing you a couple of things here. In chapter 5, let me look here in verse 12. It says, it says here, Wherefore as by, look at this here, it says, By one man sin entered into the world. How many people did it take to bring sin into this planet? One this is what it's showing in this chapter. One man, okay? One man who? Adam. Let me, let me just say this to you today. People weren't born into this planet a sinner because of their actions. They were born into this planet a sinner because they came from Adam. Adam was like the fountainhead of humanity. And everybody that came out of him came out with the same problem. You know, I, I heard it explained years ago that, you know, when it, do you remember when you had cassette tapes? <laughs> Be the same thing if it was like an MP3 today, but you know what? When you had cassette tapes, you'd have the master copy, okay? And if you had like, you know, a, a, you know, a mess up on the master copy, say it was a buzz the whole way through it. Say you were recording uh, like even like a message today, but there was a buzz that came through in the recording. If that's on the master copy... Everything that's copied from that is going to have the buzz on it, okay? Now, what Adam sinned, it was on the master copy. And all of humanity came from Adam. So sin came from one man, Adam. It was nothing to do with your actions. It was what you were born into. So you're born into a condition. See, that's really when it comes down to it. That is the condition of man. No matter what way he shaped up, looks, appearance, job, Right and wrong, all them kind of things, that's nothing got to do with it. It's what you're born into. So man was born into 
sin. But thank God for Jesus. Because Jesus came to give us another birth. So that we could be born into righteousness. So that you could go from being a sinner to being righteous. So that you could go from being dead to being alive. We sung about it this morning. Praise God we're not dead. That's not talking about physically. Do you know Jesus went, into, went to the people and he said, you know, I've came to give you life and life more abundantly. He wasn't standing in a graveyard when he said that. He was talking to living people, but they were dead, separated from God in their sins. But Jesus said, I came to give you life, that life back with the Father. And the only way you can get that is through Jesus. Jesus said, I've come. He's the sole provider of life. And let me just make it really simple. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. And that's what the scriptures say. But thank God Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Then it says here in verse 5, it says, or sorry, verse 15, it says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if the offense, that was Adam's sin, of, um, of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift, praise God, by grace which is righteousness, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. Now, let me just make that simple here. You know what it's saying here? What Adam did and what Jesus did was the same thing, only different. Many of us say that. It's the same, only different. Okay? Let me just explain that for a second. It would be like, you know, me coming in here today with a big hose, and I just hosed everybody in tar, and then just threw feathers on everybody. Just to give people a taste of religion, what it was like again. <laughs> you went to church and got tarred and feathered, okay? <laughs> but, you know, if I just hosed everybody, okay? It would be one man hosing everybody and affecting everybody, okay? So everybody would be affected. But what if next week, Ender, who's a lot nicer, came, okay? And he hosed everybody in my favorite ice cream, salted caramel. Just hosed everybody in salted caramel ice cream. You know what? It would be one man affecting everybody, but in a completely different way. You would leave a lot happier. You'd, you'd lick yourself to death going out of here. That's what it's saying. One man, Adam, affected everybody. But one man, Jesus, affected everybody as well. Amen. But in a far superior way. See, we're not, we weren't a sinner because of our actions. We aren't righteous because of our actions either. We're righteous because of who we got into. When you receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you are no longer identified in Adam. You're identified in Christ. And that's your identity. No matter what you look like, feel like, no matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter anything, and if you take your identity from who you are in Christ Jesus, it'll start changing how you live out here. Because you will start seeing yourself, just like the Bible says, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. They're all verses that let you know who you are in Christ. 
You know, if you read through the New Testament and you, you take note of all of the Scriptures that say, in Christ, in Him, and in whom, they all let you know who you now are in Christ Jesus. Some of them will say, through Christ, like I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Amen? You, if you get a hold of those verses, they'll let you know who you are. Don't let this world tell you who you are. Don't even let yourself tell you who you are. Let God tell you who you are. And have the guts to start saying who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? See, when you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you start saying stuff like there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? You see, you stop, you stop thinking the way you used to think. You stop calling yourself a piece of junk and you start saying, I am His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Do you know what a workmanship means? It means a work of art. It means a masterpiece. Do you see, you were a piece of junk in Adam. But in Christ Jesus, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You are His workmanship. You don't tell a craftsman what he made was a piece of junk. And let me tell you, you don't tell God that you're a piece of junk when you are His workmanship now, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That means God has fitted you for something. And you'll miss what God has for your life if you see yourself in Adam. Let me tell you, before we were saved, Adam would give us an identity that we were sinners, guilty, condemned. Condemned means not fit for use. We were under the judgment of God and we were like on a knife edge. You could have took a, your last breath and went into a lost eternity. But thank God, when you receive Jesus, you come into Christ. And now you are righteous. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are above today. You're above principalities, powers, might, and dominion in every name that is named. You have a purpose and a destiny in Christ Jesus. You are secure in Christ. You are preserved in Christ. You are sanctified in Christ. Amen. You are holy and without blame in Christ. You may say, oh, I do a lot of things out here. I do a lot of things wrong. Your identity is who you are in the Spirit. Yes, we have a body. Yes, we have a mind, but that's not the real you. The real you is the person on the inside. And that is the person that is a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you, before I got saved, this was like me and you. We were in Adam. This is a wee ring here, okay? It has the appearance that it's valuable. It has the appearance like that there's a valuable stone in it, but it's a piece of glass. That's all it is. It's worthless. And when you were born, you were born in Adam. Okay? It didn't matter how much you pretty up the box. It doesn't matter how much you paint the box. It doesn't matter what plaque thing you hold and protest or stand or charity things you do or any of those kind of things. There can be good things in life that benefit life and society, but it doesn't get you out of Adam. Only the blood of Jesus can get you out of Adam. No matter what you do, you're trapped in there. Romans chapter 6 says that you are a slave, a slave to Adam, a slave to sin, bound by sin, 
no way out, no matter how good you were. That's why religion can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. You can pretty it up, but Jesus said to the Pharisees of his day, who were the holiest people in that society, he said, on the outside you're pretty and white, but on the inside you're dead men's bones. That's religion. Has the appearance, but is still dead. But let me tell you, when you got saved, that ring is gone. Your past, as in your nature, is gone completely. And you now are in Christ. Praise God, this is a ring that's valuable. I just said that. No, it is. It has a bit, it's got value. But you know what? It's valuable, but I'm telling you, it in life is the real deal. But let me tell you, you and God, when you get saved, you are the real deal. And there's no credit on our part because we didn't do it. It's a work of God. All we did was come as we were. Amen. But let me tell you, when you're saved, the Bible says that you are preserved in Christ, that you are sealed in Christ. That God done a completed work in you and you're complete in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, the new birth has no improvements. The new birth has no updates. It's as good as it gets. It is awesome. Let me tell you how awesome it is. Your spirit, when you get saved, is as righteous as Jesus. People say, I can't take that in, but you have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I wasn't good enough. It had nothing to do with your goodness. It was a gift. It was given to you as a gift. Amen? You see, when you realize it's a gift, you know what happens is, and you take a hold of it, the Bible says, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you reign in life. You start reigning as a king in life because you realize the devil has no hold over your life whatsoever because you have been born again out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, and he has no say in your life whatsoever. That's why the Bible says when you're in Christ, who can lay a finger to God's elect? It's God who justified. And let me tell you, when God justifies you, it doesn't matter what the devil says. Do you know in a courtroom, do you know when the judge drops the hammer? Do you know that's, that's it over? It doesn't matter what accusations come after that. The hammer has already been dropped. Amen? The mic has already been dropped. Amen? When the hammer's dropped, do you know what that means? That means that you are justified before God. Justified just as if I had never sinned. And that's for all of eternity that you stand before God justified. What would that do to your life? What would that do to condemnation? What would that do to all of the lies of your past if you started to see yourself that you are righteous before your father, that you don't have to come in before your father like this, where you can run before your father? We don't have to come with sin on your conscience anymore. We don't have to feel like you have to run from God whenever you mess up in life, but you can run to God because your identity didn't change. Amen. What does the Bible say about the righteous? The righteous are as bold as a, a lion. What would that do to, though, like, feeling like I'm a victim? They had done this to me. They said that to me. It doesn't matter. It's what does God say? That becomes the most valuable voice in your life. I don't care what anybody says to me. 
I've had people say all types of things to me over the years. I don't care what people say to me. I'm only interested in what does God say about my life. That is it. All I was interested in was when I got saved was, God, what do you say about me? Amen. Now, yeah, when you, when you come into Christ, this is where you are. Let me tell you, you are secure. You see, in Christ, it's the most secure place to be. Because you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. Do you know what that means? Nothing can penetrate. The Bible says no one can pluck you out of God's hands. The Bible says you are secure. The Bible says you are preserved in Christ Jesus. That means that you are secure. Some people see their salvation like, like an egg, that it's fragile. You know, you do something wrong and there's a crack and my salvation starts leaking out. How can you base your life on something that is that flimsy? I don't think, am I saved or am I not saved in that sense? You know what, am I saved? Have I got my, did I lose my salvation? All I think about is I'm secure in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ. I didn't save myself. So how on earth could I keep myself saved if I didn't save myself? I wasn't good enough to get saved. How on earth am I going to keep myself saved? That's a recipe for just total condemnation. Let me tell you, I have been around people at times, you know, and they say, you know what, you know what, if you do this here, you lose your salvation. If you're going over the speed limit and God help you, if you crash, you know, and you died, you know what, because you went over the speed limit. Boy, that's a recipe for disaster. You're living under laws. Your salvation then is based on you. You got saved by grace, but now you have to keep it. That's a disaster. Let me tell you, being in Christ is like being in Fort Knox. You are so secure in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, in Adam, all of your goodness couldn't get you out of Adam. When you get saved, let me tell you, your badness can't get you out of Christ. Then people say, as what it says at the end of this chapter, it says, so what are you saying? And coming into chapter um, 6, it says, so Paul, what are you saying? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What was Paul's answer? God forbid. Do you know why it's God forbid? Because that's not the answer. That's not what he's talking about. Some people, that's what they hear. See, you see, if you teach on grace, people are going to say that you're giving people a license to sin. Look, I've been around people all in my Christian walk, and I've seen people sin without a license. I've seen Christians sin without a license. You don't need a license to sin. Let me tell you, true believers are not looking for a license to sin. True believers are looking for a way out of the things that are holding them in life. Now, when you get saved, you get a new nature. You get that righteous nature, but you still have a body. You still have a mind. So how do you deal with that? You have to renew your mind. And as you walk in the Spirit, what happens is then you start not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. God hates sin. God doesn't like sin. Sin will destroy your life. Sin has nothing positive in it. There's nothing good can come out of sin. Outwardly, our actions. But here's the thing. Your nature still stays the same when you're a believer. If you live in sin, you'll end up, it'll, it'll wreck havoc in your life. You know, people say, oh, that's great. I can go and live whatever way I want. Sin, sin's deadly. I would be like me saying, you know what? 
happy days, I can go and sleep with whoever I want. Yeah, well, where do you see how it affects my wife? Where do you see how it affects my children? Sin has consequences in the natural. Of course it does. And if you live in it, it'll destroy your life. And as a Christian, you'll have no joy. There's no joy in sin. Paul, Paul was saying, do you think I'm saying go and live in sin? I'm saying find out who you are. When you find out who you are, you stop living that way because you realize that's not who I am anymore. See, you, everybody lives out of identity. If you see yourself as a piece of junk, have a guess how you're going to treat your life. Like a piece of junk. If you feel condemned, you beat yourself up. You go to the, <laughs> the kitchen fridge. You're looking for the biggest tub of ice cream. So it, not only do you feel bad, you're going to make yourself feel worse. Because when you're down, I tell you what, the ice cream, it'll help for a second. But boy, after it, you feel yuck. And it's just a vicious cycle. And that's what happens when you live in condemnation. And Paul said, that is not the answer. The answer is identity. So Paul said, how shall we who are dead to sin? Adam is gone. I'm not mean to be crude here, but let me just say it this way. When you come into Christ, you got a good laxative. And everything that you were in Adam is gone. You're not dead in sin any longer. You are dead to sin. That's what Romans chapter 6 says. Dead to sin means speak to the hand. When the enemy comes and throws accusations at you, speak to the hand. You have nothing to say to me because that's not who I am anymore. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't make you prideful. It causes you to give glory and honor to Jesus because if it wasn't for Jesus, let me tell you, you'd still be an Adam. Amen? Praise God. Let me just close by saying this this morning. Praise God, this is an amazing church. I got that far. I love it when you come somewhere and people just are listening because it draws what God wants to say out. I hate going somewhere and it's like pulling teeth. I'm not joking. But thank God that everything that you were in Adam is gone. Do you know how God sees you? He sees you in Christ. You know, it's like, um, it's like that testimony I gave earlier. Do you know whenever you go and you get a CT scan done or something like that, and you're given the all clear, that's an awesome day. I know the day that I, I went and, and I was told, you are all clear. It is awesome. I'm not joking, boy. There's tears coming out of my eyes. Not a sorrow, so much joy. Could hardly speak to Donna when I got on the phone. Praise God. I know it was what we were believing God for, but I tell you, when you're told you have the all clear, it is just awesome. It is just a, are you all right there? Couldn't even get the words out. When you get saved, you get the all clear from Adam. And all that's left is who you are in Christ Jesus. Here's something that happens when you get saved. A baptism takes place. Do you know what baptism means? What does it mean? Does it mean to be sprinkled? Yeah. Submerged, emerged. The Bible says that we were submerged. Now, there's three baptisms in the New Testament, okay? And there's three different baptizers, okay? 
The first one is you're baptized into Christ at the new birth. The next one is you're baptized into water, which is an outward show of what took place here. Okay? Then the next one is you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay? When you are baptized into Christ, the Bible says it was one spirit, the Holy Ghost, who immersed you into Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, it could be, you know what, if you, you, know, you got saved and then you said, I, I want to be water baptized because it's a public declaration to say, I belong to Jesus. It doesn't save you, but it's going public with Jesus. And there's a real boldness that comes because you stand up publicly and say, I belong to Jesus. So then you have end of the Baptist out in the water and end of baptizes you, okay? So it's a, it's a person baptizing you in water. And then the Bible says, do you remember um, John the Baptist said of Jesus, there's one coming <clears throat> and he'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost. So then Jesus is the baptizer and he baptized you in the Holy Ghost. So you have in the new birth, the Holy Spirit, he baptizes you into Christ. End of the Baptist <laughs> baptizes you in water. Amen. And then you have, when you receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, where you have that power from on high upon your life, then um, it's Jesus who baptizes us in the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's clearly three, three baptisms in the New Testament. Sometimes people say, well, the Bible says there's one Lord, one baptism. Yeah, that's one baptism into the body of Christ. People who say, I believe in one baptism only, them same people believe in water baptism, so they don't, they believe in two baptisms. Well, I believe in three baptisms. I believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the endowment of power on high. Let me just say this here. When you get saved, you are immersed into Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that you put on Christ. Do you know what that means? In your spirit, you put on Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means? In Adam, you had Adam's DNA. In Christ, you have Jesus' DNA. What would it do to you if you start thinking and seeing yourself in Christ Jesus that I have Jesus' DNA in me? How would you live? People are saying, are you saying you're Jesus? No, but I am saying I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Are you saying you're Jesus? No, but I am saying this, I'm one with him. And you're one with him. Are you saying you're Jesus? No, he's the vine, I'm the branches, but the same life that is in the vine is in the branch. Where does the fruit come out? Through the branch. Where's God looking to get fruit? Through his church. Who's the church? That's us, those that were immersed into Christ Jesus. What is God looking? God's looking your life to bear fruit for him. That is God's intention for your life now. But if you still see yourself as an old, unworthy sinner, I hate that statement with an absolute passion. I'm an old, I even hate the tone of it. I'm an old, unworthy sinner. What is that? Some people want to be a hybrid. They don't want to be stuck like this. I'm in Adam, and I'm in Christ, and I don't know who I am. When you get saved, you're dead to Adam. You get a laxative from Adam. You used to be a sinner, guilty, condemned, under the judgment of God. But thank God for the grace of God. Amen. I'm not an old, unworthy sinner saved by grace. No, I'm saved by grace. Amen. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. An overcomer. 
Praise God. I have Jesus' DNA in me. If I had a bucket here of purple dye, and you had a, a, a like um, this white um, gown here, and if I took that white gown and I put it into that purple dye, that white gown will never be white again because every fiber of it is now purple. Let me tell you, when you were saved, you were immersed into Jesus Christ and every fiber of your spirit is immersed in Christ Jesus and you have Jesus' life in you. What would that do to us? You know what? That sounds complicated. I think it's so easy. You're either an Adam or you're in Christ. If you're an Adam, you're a sinner. If you're in Jesus, you have a right standing with your Father and you have Jesus' DNA in you. How would that change how we live? Amen.